0: Well, hello, Christ Chapel, and happy Easter to you. It is a happy Easter, even though it is a weird Easter. I mean, let's just uh, call the elephant in the room what it is. This, is. this is different. This is not normal. This is very abnormal. I mean, who would have thought that for Easter, we couldn't gather together as a church? I mean, so many things have changed in our world I mean, who would have thought that we would all be worshiping in our own homes or apartments or condos or wherever you're staying as you watch this service? I mean, who would have thought that those Easter traditions that we've held so dear that we've been able to practice for years would have to change? That you might not be able to have your family brunch or your family get-together, or you know, wear your Easter outfits, or have your Easter egg hunt or your Easter basket, or all of those wonderful things that always add a little color and vibrancy to Easter. I mean, things have changed this Easter. In fact, my, my Easter message even changed. You see, usually, right now, about at this point in the sermon, I would give you some dad jokes. Now, they're dad jokes because I think they're funny, but I don't expect you to think they're funny. I don't expect you to even laugh along with them. I just honestly probably expect you to laugh at me more than anything else. You know, this is where I would, for instance, tell you a knock-knock joke. You know, but now that kind of falls flat because you say, knock-knock, who's there? Nobody. I mean, nobody can come over to your house. Nobody should be visiting. Nobody should be out and about right now. Or, or another one is, you know, how do you make Easter easier? Well, you replace the T with an I. Now, normally, thinking about making Easter easier is always on people's minds because we're so, so frantic and, and spread out trying to do so many different things during this spring season, and that's not the case right now. Or, or another one, you know, how does Easter end? With an R. But I started thinking about those. Do you like how I added in those dad jokes no matter what? I started thinking about that. You know, If Easter only ends with an R, then how sad is this Easter gonna be? If Easter only ends with us thinking about how weird this Easter is, grieving the loss of traditions, grieving the loss of the way things used to be, then this is gonna be a really sad Easter. But you know what? I have actually been more excited about this Easter than I have been for one in a long time. Because all of those things that are are wonderful, good things that we do, traditions that we have, those have all been stripped away and we've gotten down to the real meaning of Easter because that's what we need now more than ever. We need a real Easter. Not an Easter that just ends with an R but an Easter that ends in victory. So if you would, open your Bibles right now to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, that's where we're gonna be today, and I want you to have your Bible open because I wanna show you some different verses that won't come up on the screen. Now, if you've been with us, the series that we just finished were Jesus' seven words from the cross. These were wonderful words and phrases that Jesus used as he spoke to those who were the onlookers, but they speak to us today. And they were words about forgiveness and salvation and relationship, isolation, desperation, completion, and contentment. It was a wonderfully powerful series, but can I be honest with you? The only thing that makes those words powerful are if they aren't Jesus' last words. Because if those are Jesus' last words, then those words are no better than any other dying person's last words. But what makes those words so powerful is that they weren't his last because Jesus came to life. He rose from the dead. He was resurrected, and that is what our entire faith is built on. It's the fulcrum of our faith. The resurrection is what validates all of the things that he said from the cross. They validate his entire life, and it validates what he says to us today. Everything hinges on the resurrection that's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, when he says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. If there's no resurrection, then there's no reason to get together. We can't even get together to show off our Easter outfits right now. The reason why we are together is because Jesus is alive, and that's what we're going to focus on today, is that resurrection and the fact that the words that he said from the cross were not his last words. And so we're going to go to that empty tomb, and we're going to hear what Jesus' first words were as our resurrected Savior. So if you look at John chapter 20, if you look back at verse 1, it tells us that now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early notice this it says while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb there was something about this scene that wasn't right that stone wasn't supposed to be rolled away this was weird it wasn't normal it was abnormal and mary understands but she goes in to investigate. And she's looking into that empty tomb and she sees two angels there that she doesn't even recognize as angels and they, she converses with them. And then uh, look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, as she finishes conversing with the angels, it says, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. You see in verse 14, right there, Easter got real. Easter got real for Mary. Jesus comes to Mary, even though she doesn't recognize him right at that moment, and she comes to her in her darkness and in her grief because he cares for her. And he says three things to her that are applicable, not only to her, but to our lives as well. Because see, just as the way that Jesus steps into the darkness to meet with Mary, into this abnormal and weird situation, he wants to speak in the same way to us today, into our dark circumstances, into our abnormal circumstances, into our weird but happy Easter. And so I wanna show you what those three phrases are and then tell you how those can apply to your life so that this Easter doesn't end with an R, but it ends in victory. So let's look at those three, three phrases because what I want you to see is first that Jesus is alive and he speaks words of compassion. The first thing that he says to Mary is a word of compassion. If you'll remember in our series on the seven words from the cross, the first three statements that Jesus makes are all focused on other people. We would all, at least myself, I would probably focus things on, on me. On my problems, my suffering, Jesus, no, always focused on others. And when he intervenes with Mary at this empty tomb, he speaks to her compassionately. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? It's this compassionate question that he asked Mary. In fact, the Greek word for weeping there actually means to heave. And I don't know if you've ever cried that hard. I know I have. When the the weeping just involves your whole body, it's not just your face, it's not just your tears, it's not just your eyes, it's everything. It hurts so bad, your heart hurts so bad that your whole body is involved and your whole body hurts. Mary is weeping. And Jesus comes to her and says, Why are you weeping? Now you think that's an obvious question to answer. I mean, Jesus, why are you even asking that? Doesn't he know? I mean, of course, she's weeping because she just lost a friend. She's been following Jesus now for many months, and now he's gone. Not only was she traumatized by, by the whole crucifixion, but now she wants to go and grieve with his body and put ointment and spices on it, and now she can't even grieve in that way. She can't find him. She wants to connect to him again. That's why she's weeping, and Jesus enters into that with compassion. Let me ask you today on this Easter, why are you weeping? That might be an obvious question but jesus wants to wants to enter into that maybe you're weeping because you're grieving the loss of normality you're grieving the loss of traditions that you've held dear maybe you're grieving the loss of a job maybe you're out of a of a career right now maybe you're grieving the loss of a loved one maybe you've lost a loved one recently and maybe this is the first easter without him We say, why are you weeping? And you go, Cody, duh. Like, there are real things going on in my life, and I know that. And what I want you to know is that Jesus steps into that, and he approaches you with compassion, not to ask you why you're weeping to make you feel bad about that, but because he cares and because he wants to act. And that's why he gives us not just the one question, why you're weeping, but he has a second question for Mary and a second question for us because, see, Jesus is alive and he also speaks words of concern. He speaks words of concern. As he approaches Mary in the dark and asks her why she's weeping, he then says, well, hey, what what are what are you looking for? Remember, Mary had gone to the tomb to go and look Jesus's body. To look for his corpse and he asked her a very interesting question look at verse 15 he says whom are you seeking whom are you seeking again because we have the context that seems like an obvious answer but actually if you think about it more it's a really interesting question that Jesus is asking her because what he is asking her is a who question whom are you seeking he asked her, A person? Aren't you looking for a person? And Mary wasn't looking for a person. She was looking for a corpse. She was looking for a who, but a what. She was looking for a dead Jesus. And there was no dead Jesus to be found. See, I think that's why Jesus asks her that question, because he's concerned. He's concerned that she has the wrong perspective, that what you're looking for is a dead body, and Jesus is alive. He's not a what, he's a who, he's a person who speaks, and she had forgotten all of the promises that Jesus had given her when he was alive, that he wouldn't be dead for long, that he would be resurrected, that he would come back to life. You know, I find that to be true in my own life, that oftentimes when I forget God's promises, I stop seeking a who, and I start seeking what's. And so let me ask you on this Easter, whom are you seeking? Who are you seeking? Maybe you haven't been seeking a who. Maybe you haven't been seeking a person, but you've just been seeking what's. I think our world is easy to seek after what's. We seek after the next experience or the next uh, great thing that we can get materialistically or, or we seek after a promotion, all of those what's. And if anything, right now with uh, the way things are, I hope that it has driven us back and stripped away all the what's to show us what's most important are the who's in our life. Because you see what? All, all of those what's in our life will end up being Dead ends. They all end up being just as empty and void as the empty tomb. And that's why Jesus wants to reframe the entire thing and say, it's not what you're seeking after, it's who. Because only in him, the one who is alive, is true life found. That's why he asks her, whom are you seeking? But he doesn't just ask her questions. Because I know that can be frustrating that in the midst of of grief, when all you get are more questions than answers, but he has one of the most powerful statements that he says to Mary next. And that word is word of comfort. You see, Jesus is alive and he speaks words of comfort. You know, remember, it's dark. That's why I wanted you to understand that context. It's dark, and Mary may not be able to recognize Jesus because of how dark it is, or maybe she doesn't recognize him because she's cried so much, and maybe the tears are in her eyes, or maybe her eyes are so swollen from how much she's been crying. But she still hasn't recognized him up to this point. And then in verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary, Jesus speaks to her, her own name. And in that one word, everything changes for her. You see, she didn't recognize him. She didn't understand what was going on. Everything was weird and abnormal. But as soon as she heard Jesus call her name, everything fell into place. She was comforted by hearing her own name from Jesus. It was as if Jesus said, it's me. You know, I remember back when I was in college with uh, my buddies, and when our buddies, would, we would date these girls back in college. If we weren't sure exactly where we stood in our relationship with them, and we were cowardly college guys, and we didn't want to just straight out ask a girl like, hey, do you like me or anything, we would oftentimes employ the it's me test That means that you would call up the girl, and rather than saying, you know, hey, it's Cody, you would just say, hey, it's me. And if you said, hey, it's me, and she responded, oh, hey, Cody, then you knew you were in a good spot. You knew that she had you on her mind. You knew that she was so uh, familiar with your voice that you had a strong connection. But obviously, if you say, it's me, and she says, it's who? Not a good relationship. But you see, Jesus, when he says, it's me, it's almost as if Mary says, it's you. All it takes is for him to say, it's me, to call her name. And she she knows exactly who it is. You see, Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, it changes everything. It changes everything for Mary. It changes everything for you and for me. And so I want to give you three very quick things for this Easter. Because he's alive, your life can change. Because he's alive, your Easter doesn't have to just end with an R. It can end with a changed life. And so here are three very quick things that I would love for you to do. First, would you hear Jesus calling your name to have a relationship with him? Would you hear him calling your name to have a relationship with him? He knows your name, and he's calling your name. In fact, John chapter 10, when Jesus is himself, and he says, he describes himself as the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verse 3, he says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. He knows his own sheep, and he calls them by name. He is calling your name, and I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, Cody, he doesn't know my name. He he wouldn't want to call my name. Do you know where I've been? I have been in such dark places in my past. Well, let me just remind you where Mary had been. Remember, Mary was was relieved. Jesus healed her of seven demons in her life. Now, I don't know where she got those from, but uh, to be honest, those probably came from, from her participating in some pretty dark things in her past. She had a past. And Jesus still pursued her and still wanted a relationship with her, just like he wants a relationship with you. And maybe you're saying, well, Cody, I am so, it's not even about my past. I'm just so far away from God right now. Remember in Luke 15 when Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep, and he says he's a good shepherd, and he says, I leave the 99 to come after the one. It doesn't matter how far that one is away. I'm coming for you. Jesus knows your name. And he's calling you to have a relationship with him. Would you listen to him? Would you hear him? Would you soften your heart and open your heart to hear his voice calling your very own name? Because if you hear him call your name, then what I want you to do is I want you to turn to him. I want you to turn to Jesus to find eternal life. See, when, when Mary hears Jesus calls, call her name, it says, the text says that she turns, that she turns to him. And when she turns to him, she literally turns from the darkness of the tomb to the light of the world. She turns from grief to joy, from death to life, from grieving to hope. She turns to him. And I want you to turn to him today. The Bible actually has this biblical word for turn and that word is repent, which means to change your mind or to turn the other direction, to stop pursuing whatever you were pursuing and to turn to God and start following the one who leads you, the good shepherd. And that's what I would ask that you would do. Because see, if you're pursuing anything other than Jesus, that's called sin. And we've all sinned, all of us have sinned in our life. We have all sought after things that are not God, and all of those things lead to eternal separation from God, and they end up destroying our lives even here on this earth, and that's why Jesus calls us to turn to him, to turn away from those things that destroy our lives and ultimately end up in destroying our eternal future, and to turn to him, the one who has abundant and eternal life. In fact, when Peter is preaching to thousands in the early, early in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 3, he says this. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that you may be forgiven of your sins. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's what's in his presence. When we turn to him, we turn from death and we find times of refreshing. Where we no longer are enslaved to sin. And you can do that today. It's as simple as, I, here's how I remember it, ABC. Would you admit that you're a sinner, that you are far from God, and there's no way that you can build that bridge back to God? And would you believe that Jesus came and died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and rose from the dead, which is what we celebrate this Easter? And then you just confess that to him. Confess that saying, I want that. You see, eternal life is a free gift. All you have to do is say, yeah, I want that. It's available. It's there. Tell him you want it. When you turn to Jesus, you turn away from sin, and you come into his presence with times of refreshing. That's what I hope happens for you this Easter. And maybe you've made that turn sometime earlier in your life, and you've already placed your trust in Jesus Christ well then this Easter, would you follow Jesus who will lead you to abundant life? When Mary turns to Jesus after he has called her name, she says, Rabboni, she she calls him this very uh, familiar term. Rabbi was a teacher and that's what the text tells us, but it's a familiar term for teacher and what it implies is her obedience. Oh, you're the one that I follow. And she falls down and worships him. Would you follow him today? Would you follow the good shepherd into those times of refreshing, into the abundant life that he has for you? See, I don't wanna follow someone who hasn't walked through the valley of the shadow of death and come out on the other side, who has made a way for me to have eternal peace with God. I wanna follow someone who's been there and done that, and that's Jesus. He wants to lead you into that abundant life. You know, as I thought about following the Lord, especially in the times that we're all living in now, I couldn't help but think of Psalm 23, where David says, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He talks about how he follows him and how the Lord leads him into green pastures beside still waters. But it even says that he leads him through the valley of the shadow of death. And he says he won't fear any evil because the good shepherds, rod and staff, will comfort him. And he says, even when I'm in the presence of my enemies, you still provide a table for me. He is the God who provides. And he goes on and finishes Psalm 23 in verse 6 by saying, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life if you follow the one who is risen. He is risen indeed. This Easter, you have some words to live by, and they come from one whose last words didn't come from a cross, but they come from an empty tomb. Words of compassion, words of concern, and words of comfort. To enter into your darkness and lead you to life everlasting. Would you follow him? Would you pray with me? God, I'm so thankful for your promises to us. Thank you that you rose from the dead just as you said you would. And as true as you were to yourself and those promises, you will be true to us and your promises. So this Easter, may we find your words from the empty tomb as words that we can live by, words we can stake our life on. May this Easter not just end in an R for us, but end in a transformational way where we experience your eternal, abundant life. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.